Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to Great Iron Blitz 315. In the house today, we are going to have a great show today, uh, including a lot of news and notes coming from the women's world. Uh, we also have the NFL draft preview today. We're going to go into quarterbacks and receivers, kind of give you a rundown of what's going to happen here for the 23rd in an unprecedented uh, way because it's going to be a virtual draft, basically. Nobody going to be there live. Um, sort of what we're dealing with with COVID-19 everywhere else, you know, with Zoom and um, webcast meetings and everything else that we got to keep things going in terms of business. So everybody's getting creative in terms of what we're doing. So I applaud um, everybody out there that's still uh, working their butts off to try to, you know, make ends meet. And at the same time, you know, we got to shout out to uh, all the first responders, medical personnel, plus all those people that keep uh, – food for us on the table, including the amazing job for um, all those folks that are in restaurants. And if you have mobile capability, like I said before in previous podcasts, power of the mobile phone cannot be greater than now. So uh, if you want to support local business, your favorite uh, retailer, uh, any of that stuff, you can still get stuff at home. Uh, it also keeps those guys, I know some of my best friends are FedEx and UPS guys, and they're telling me they're just, they're just you know, busy, busy, busy. So on top of that, you're keeping logistics in terms of like FedEx and USPS and UPS uh, employed as well. So, uh, you know, shout out to all those folks that are keeping us um, somewhat calm, able to get stuff as well. You're able to go to uh, certain places. In other words, depending on your state, shelter in place or stay at home. Um, it's just it's not a big deal if you just think logically about how you're going to strategize and get your stuff. And, uh, you know, six feet away from everybody, that's doable. So once we get our mindset in a positive state, obviously things uh, aren't not as bad as we think they are. Uh, we just got to get, you know, get back to normality, which is, you know, keep your economy going. One way to do that is to just really support local businesses, uh, those that obviously are essential, and making sure they stay afloat as well. Our airlines have been hit hard. I got a lot of friends that have been furloughed. Um, they're going on unemployment now um, because of that. So, it's going to be a little bit of a stretch here for about, you know, maybe eight months, six to eight months. Um, but, you know, we got to we got to come together and we got to do what we got to do. Uh, we're all big boys and big girls and we got to we got to do what we got to do. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through this as well. On the medical side, there's a lot of uh, experimental things going on that are promising. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some of those things taken care of and it just saves a lot of time and also helps us with, uh, those folks that obviously are compromised, maybe they get a second chance instead of uh, passing away in some instances. So, uh, you know, so COVID-19 has really affected everybody, standstill on sports. Um, so, you know, just stay safe and we'll go from there. But tonight we are going to have a great show. We're going to have Dale Glossinger of the AFE, the American Football Events. We're going to be talking a lot of the stuff that happened before COVID-19 and then during COVID-19 in terms of the Honduras 2020 scene. Plus, we're going to be talking about Spain, whether that's going to happen or not. And then we're going to bring in the Burmeister, Michael Burmey, uh, and we're going to talk WFA, WNFC, WFLA, 
Uh, we're also going to be talking probably WrestleMania because that's what happened this past weekend. Uh, and then Mackenzie will should be joining us here in about an hour. And then we'll dive into the NFL draft, which is quarterbacks and receivers. Uh, our ideas, top five, top six in terms of the first round and not how that's going to change or who's going to take who. Uh, so it should be an interesting show in terms of how we get things done. If you haven't gone to the hub, I suggest you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. I want to thank everybody that's liked our page. We're close to 8,000 on our page right now. Uh, if you invite your friends, share it. If you like what we do out there, which is bring awareness to women's American tackle football. And uh, so we are the best network on the planet. Uh, and in terms of covering the number one source on Twitter. Uh, so all that's made possible because of you guys, the fanatics and everybody that loves the sport and the amazing women that play the sport. So shout out to everybody there. Uh, so you know what? You can get all the details out there at the hub. You can't miss anything weekly, daily updates uh, this week. If you haven't checked them out, really, really cool. WNFC virtual football camps. They started uh, last week and then continuing this week. Uh, there should be one ongoing right now as we're on the air. And then there's going to be another one tomorrow and the next day. And I think it goes up to the 14th. Um, so it's going to be really cool. Position tips. Also, it's going to get you involved in terms of coaching schemes and why certain uh, you know, certain playbooks are done with certain things and why certain teams, uh, you know, assess certain playbooks or use certain schemes. Um, and that's really good. So it's kind of like during this downtime, it's no different than the kids. <laughs> They're doing virtual homework and doing schooling. Uh, so you can get your own virtual schooling and, and homework as well. So, you know, shout out to the WNFC leadership out there for putting this together and keeping their athletes uh, involved with the game, even though they can't be at a setting or at practice. This isn't really nice to have. It's kind of like a chalk talk virtual. So I know uh, Mackenzie is really excited because she's tuned in right now. And there's a lot of the players nationwide that were really, really uh, excited in terms of some of the things that are spoken to. So today was, uh, I think it's very interesting. So if you go back at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties, you can do the replay of all the virtual camps from the first one up to now, which is, I think, camp number five. And that's over at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. All right, you guys can also go to Zazzle. Zazzle's been our sponsor for about six, seven years now. And uh, so you go to Zazzle, you can uh, get a T-shirt, 15% off. Uh, check it out there since you have some downtime with COVID. Uh, support your stuff. Send us a selfie on a video. You can do a video with the No Rush Challenge. Put your uh, No Joke Football shirt on. Uh, you can do any type of video with the Toilet Paper Challenge. Uh, you can also do that. There's a lot of teams that we posted on the page that are doing the uh, hashtag No Ru uh, Don't Rush Challenge as well as the Toilet Paper Challenge. So uh, WNFC, WFA, everybody's getting creative, including the IWFA with the Austin Ravens. So if you missed them, you can go check it out at the hub at facebook.com forward slash createdironbeauties. All right, so the other stuff we had on there is uh, we had Andrea Douglas introducing her book. If you haven't picked up her book, Black and Blue, it's about 20 bucks on Amazon. If you have Prime, you get it the next day, pretty much quickly about two days. So I strongly recommend you get the book. Andrew Douglas, Black and Blue, that's about 20 bucks on Amazon. And you know, if you follow me on Facebook, I'm pretty much uh, pitching it out for you on my stories and also on my post. And then we did a post over, uh, also on our Facebook page. So go check it out. Andrew Douglas, historic owner 
uh, Hall of Fame owner and one of the, uh, you know, legendary uh, individuals that uh, contributed to women's tackle football in the United States via the New York Shark and various leagues from the beginning up to, you know, the last season that she had on there. So Black and Blue, really interesting, and it's a really exciting book, and it's pretty inexpensive, $20. And you can go to Amazon. You can download it on your Kindle, or you download it uh, in that format so you can read it right away, or you can wait for the hard copy in about two days. So check it out there. The other news that came out is Kelsey Cristiano uh, of the um, formerly of the Denver Dream, she's no longer in Legends, um, so she's basically got a radio show going on, but she was invited to participate in the ultimate tag on Fox, and that J.J. Watt's brothers and himself have revived this, uh, this uh, game, and she's going to be participating in the ultimate tag in May 2020. So, you know, shout out to Kelsey Cristiano. And we can't wait to see what she does uh, on May 20th uh, during the uh, series that's going to be the Ultimate Tag Show, and it's going to be including her as well. So she's an awesome athlete, and we're going to be sh- uh, checking out her, her showcase, her stuff. So can't wait for that. And the WFLA announces a couple teams this past uh, week or so. Now uh, uh, this recent team, the Phoenix Red Tails, they're going to be over in Phoenix, Arizona, Gold Rush formerly the Denver Pumas, and that's been announced as well. Atlanta Amazons have been announced as well. Um, And then, of of course, you have the previous teams that were announced previous to that. But pretty exciting for Atlanta, Denver, Phoenix, uh, a mixture of a lot of athletes from uh, WNFC, WFA, from what I'm told. There's a lot of uh, former Legends Football League players. They're going to be on rosters like in New New York Sharks, I mean New York Stars rosters uh la fames roster so there's a couple players that are going to be in that sense no rosters have been finalized to our knowledge at this point for any of those teams so we don't know who's you know key acquisitions from whatever leagues it's going to be interesting to see once they do finalize the rosters to find out what former players from either the wfa the uh, wnfc or the x league at this point uh who's going to be on those rosters for the 2021 season. The only announcement they have made officially is that the WFLA uh, kickoff will be May 21, and it's going to be the Los Angeles Fames taking on the Dallas Diamonds, and that's going to be at the LA Coliseum, and that's going to be uh, in 2021. So the exhibition season was supposed to begin this coming May, but because of COVID-19, things have been put on hold uh, per league uh, sources. And so we're awaiting uh, details in terms of, you know, the structure of football, how the organizations are going to be structured, how their rosters are going to be structured, um, you know, who are the owners. Uh, so we're waiting for all those details in terms of, you know, going forward here. I'm pretty sure we'll get those within the next six months or so. And then looking forward to May 5th, 2021. Everybody's somewhat excited to see what this brand's going to do for women's tackle football uh, in terms of, excitement will it bring attention uh, nationwide in terms of media is it going to be impactful Uh, there's a lot of players uh in terms of the wfla that apparently are supposed to be assigned on teams some of those players have never played 11 on 11 side most of them have played eight on eight so it's going to be interesting to see the transitioning uh how they gel together uh and some of those things put together as well so there's a interesting wait and see for the wfla the w, uh, WFA 
has not officially um, postponed the the uh, season. Um, so at this point, it is postponed until the end of April. I'm assuming all leagues, both WFA and WNFC, will make a decision in middle May. As we talked to Odessa Jenkins last week, if you missed the podcast, you can go back to 314, and you can, and you can get the rest of the podcast all the way back. You can get it on iHeart. Uh, you can get it on Apple, and you can get it on Spotify. And talking about that, I really, really thank everybody for going there to subscribe and sharing our podcast. I totally appreciate all you guys' efforts. All it does is bring more attention to women's uh, tackle football and bring awareness to the sport. So uh, if you are uh, your favorite platform is iHeart, if it's uh, Apple, if it's uh, you know TuneIn, if it's Spotify, whatever your platform, if you can find us, just go uh, Gridiron uh, Beauties on there, or you can just Google search and you can find all the different platforms that we're on already. So I really, really appreciate all the fanatics, including all the ballers out there uh, subscribing to our podcast and giving us a shout out there. And also a big milestone for us, the YouTube channel, our YouTube channel is a shared videos channel. And it's been a shared videos channel for probably almost 10 years now. And uh, we just reached 100 subscribers started last week. Last week is when we reached 100 subscribers. So I really want to thank all those folks that subscribe to our channel. Take advantage of watching the previous videos from, you know, vintage videos all the way to those current videos that we would post out that and shared. Uh, just a lot of uh, history of women's tackle football. If you go to the YouTube channel, uh, Great Iron Beauty's YouTube channel, you can go right there. You get the link on our Facebook page on the podcast post every week. So don't miss it. Go there. Check it out. And you can basically go back almost, I believe, 10 years of content. And there's a lot of uh, content there from IWFL to WFA to Legends Football League all the way back. So there's a lot of women's American football in both, in both NFL style and full kit. And you can go back and relive history with some of the amazing moments and, and, and things that have happened in women's tackle football um, since, you know, basically almost, uh, what, 20 years or so. So check it out. Thank you for everybody that subscribed and got us over 100. It really, really makes a difference for us. Uh, we want to be more impactful, of course. But if you share and recommend, obviously we'll get to a higher subscription rate. So just uh, put in your bell there, and we're going to be making some new content as well as we go forward into 2021. So a little bit of excitement at the page at the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. If you guys haven't gone on Twitter, Go to our Twitter feed at Great Iron Beauty. Check out our Snapchat as well, uh, Great Iron Beauties. And then you can always go to Instagram on uh, Great Iron Beauties and at No Joke Football Shop. So if you guys want to get some stuff, some gear from us, and it's pretty inexpensive, 15% off most on a daily, Zazzle Thanks is your code. And then you can get for $9.99 free shipping nationwide for a year. Uh, Zazzle has been our sponsor, like I said, for a lot of, a lot of years. And uh, they are strong supporters of bringing awareness to women's tackle football. So that's going to be great. Uh, so if you go there, use the code, 15% off, get yourself uh, some cool shirts for under 20 bucks, and help the cause to bring awareness to the sport. All right, here we go. We're going to be going into the No Joke, Fo no Joke Football Huddle. And that's going to be with uh, Dale Glossinger. And he's going to be the founder, or he is the founder of American Football Events. And we're going to talk to Dale right now. Dale, how's it going today? Good. How are you today? I'm doing great, Dale. How you doing? How you doing with this COVID-19? 
Well, definitely getting a lot of time to get the honeydew list done. Oh, so you're one of the busy folks at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they brought out that, thir- uh, what, 30-page request? Oh, you know how it is. It, you know, th- there's no no more excuses of you're too busy or you don't have time, you're not at the house. When you're here now, you got to get it done. I, I, the only thing I say, Dale, is uh, just make sure I that you keep the social distancing from me. That's all I tell her, six <laughs> feet away. Right. Yep, good point, <laughs> good point. Oh no! Uh, it's been it's been. Uh, I guess if you're not used to being at home, if you're like an on the go type of person, this has sort of confined you. And if you got kids and schooling and your your life really just changed for a lot of changes. Yes, it did. Yes, it did for many people. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of people are uh, drinking more wine and a lot of more alcohol at late night just to go to sleep. Uh, when you're, when you definitely have a change that took place as we all have, um, we can definitely see that the alcohol sales have definitely increased. Uh, clear water is always good. I don't know about you, but clear water sometimes is is much needed. (laughs) Good point. Good point, Oscar. Yeah. Um, no, so Dale, you know, it's, it's kind of a shock, right? Uh, we went through, um, this whole change just rapidly, you know, January to February, and then all of a sudden we get shut down. And so you guys were one of the first uh, folks, that's why I want to bring you on, to kind of experience a complete shutdown and lockdown, not so much like here in the States where we had some temporary, you know, hey, mandates or no mandates, everybody was still trying to figure it out. But when you guys were out there for the uh, America's Bowl in Honduras, uh, your, you know, your window closed pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, we, we were all taken by total shock and surprise because uh, before the event even kicked off, we were in touch with the Federation and the U.S. Embassy in Honduras. And our last speaking with the embassy was on the, on the 6th of March. And, you know, at that time, there were zero cases in the country of Honduras, and there were no travel advisories. Um they were taking precautions like everybody else, but nothing that was shut down. So when we arrived on March 11th, there was only two cases in the whole country of Honduras. And we were nobody had expected anything. Uh, everything went off with a, a great start. Um, we had our opening uh, press conference and news media day and – not once during that press conference or news media did anyone even ask the question, is anyone concerned or is anyone, uh, you know, uh, feel like that there's going to be an issue with the, the, the virus? And we didn't have any of that in our mind. Uh, we were there as four different countries to play this event, and uh, everyone was super excited because for the first time in history in the, in the country of Honduras, um, they were going to allow the Women's Amer- uh, American Bowl to actually use the national stadium, uh, national soccer stadium, to host this football tournament. And uh, in more than 20 years, no one has ever stepped inside that stadium other than their national soccer team. So that in itself was a big win for the country of Honduras and for women's football. So, you know. And I um, heard from. Dale, I heard from the excitement built in within the within the organization in Honduras just just for the opportunity to put themselves on that field, not just so much the other teams coming in, but for them just to 
you know, it's kind of like a historic moment for them to set foot in that field. Yes, it was a very big historic moment for for Honduras, for women's football, um, for the whole program, uh, for the federation to be involved with that. Um, everything was just first class and over the top between the, the details of having the buses to take us into the stadium to our escort service from the from the Honduras Police Department, uh, it, it was unbelievable. It was truly an amazing opportunity for everyone to be a part of. Dale, the, the excitement for you, I mean, your team, uh, the amount of roster you've put together, some of the players are very familiar with each other. Consistency is probably there now in some in- instances because a lot of the players have been able to travel with you more than once now. Um, talking about like, you know, Candace Hunter and Sasha Cruz and, a couple of the other players that are kind of normal for your, for your program now. Um, what did you see in terms of like the Mexican team? And I, I know they fielded a yeah. team that you had competed with before, but the, just yeah. tell us a little bit of the excitement about the other teams and how they felt about, you know, coming to Honduras and, and the historic part of it. It's, it's really historic. All these players basically are launching, uh, a, you know, a organization or a team that at some point down the road, you know, they will be able to maybe compete on a world stage like an IFAB. Yes, yes. Well, um, you know, for us, we had three events last year, so we tried to find and coordinate to actually pick uh, veteran players that have been a part of our organization on and off the field out of those three events last year to pretty much put together a, a veterans team that would make us more competitive on the field for this tournament. And um, out of the roster we took, uh, they were all veterans that had played with AFE before, except we had nine new players. So we still had to, um, you know, we only had one practice. We had one, had one Thursday, three-and-a-half-hour practice on Thursday that you still had to be able to put the X's and O's and work those new nine players into the scheme of the what we had to do. And um, so our first – our the way we drew our uh, teams and the way we drew what game we played, our first game was going to be paired against uh, Mexico on Friday morning. And Mexico came to play. I mean, they brought their national team. They didn't just bring uh, teams that we had played before. They had been – they brought their national team. They actually brought 50 players. They, uh, they were very organized, very disciplined, very structured. And, um, I, I, we, as a coaching staff, we, we knew that we had our hands full, that um, we were going to have to not just try to outplay them, but we were going to have to try and outcoach them because uh, we, watched, uh, we watched them play. We saw what they could do, uh, and we knew that it was going to be a tough game for us. And being that we had a limited amount of practice, um, for a lot of us, we felt like that first game was going to be uh, our second practice. And uh, – Defensively, we were lights out. Our defense really, truly is what put us in the win column against Mexico in that first game. Um, offensively, we were still trying to find ourselves. We were still trying to find what fits, you know, uh, versus a spread offense versus a powered offense. And, you know, it took us a little while to get going. Um, we could move the football. We could get down inside the red zone. We just couldn't stick it in the end zone. But, um Defense pulled us through, uh, and 
we we definitely came out victorious against Mexico. And then moving into the second game, um, we had an opportunity now to adjust offensively some of the things that we saw that we could do. And we're much better off in the second game offensively and into the third game on Saturday. So, but like you said, seeing some of these other countries, um, Mexico probably was the most competitive. Uh, Honduras and Costa Rica, um, you know, Costa Rica has got a strong organization working with Carlos in, in Costa Rica. He, he's been doing some great things. I've known Carlos, uh, coached against with Carlos over the last 10 years. Um, a, a Charlie, he goes by Charlie. Charlie's been uh, an inspiration to our organization and, and really transformed. With Honduras, Honduras is a growing program. A uh, lot of young players. Um, being a third world country, they don't have a lot. They don't have – some of their players actually borrowed the, their helmet and their shoulder pads from the men's team. So, you know, that was an impact on us because our girls, after the event, they're giving away their shoulder pads, they're giving away their cleats, their gloves. They're giving everything away because they want to impact somebody else's life. Yeah, it's interesting to see the the Central America swing, the South America swing. You know, I've been covering this for since 2009, and just the growth of it all. Now, I was you know I was shocked in Australia to first and foremost because the the growth in Australia has been just huge in terms of the nation. And then, you know, we already knew Europe is pretty much established. Europe is established, you know, between Germany and France and Italy and, and you know, the U.K. and Sweden and Finland. It's pretty much established because, you know, there's IFAB championships, European championships. So that's kind of a staple. But to see the growth here um, in terms of Central America and even South America over in South America now on the women's side, um, it's kind of like very interesting to see that you have a lot of, uh, young ladies that are willing, you know, to put the time and effort into it. I, do you think, Dale, is because this is a discipline sport or is it just because they just feel like they can accomplish this as good as the men? I mean, what, what's your feeling? I think it's a combination of both, Oscar. You know, I think what we have found and uh, working a lot with some of the South America and Central America, uh, women's football is one of the fastest growing sports right now in South America and Central America. And, and you following it as you do, you know, you've seen that yourself. Um, but what we've, we've seen is a lot of it starts, a lot of their programs are starting eight on eight, and then some of them are transitioning to 11 on 11. But um, mm-hmm. I think there's a, I think there's more of a collation of, hey, let's have an opportunity to show that we can play a game that the men can play. But a lot of them, uh, Oscar, it's a lot of youth. I mean, in the United States, we have a lot of older players, a lot of older uh, veterans. Um, most of your South America, Central America, their their girls are 15, 17, 19, 22. You know, they're very, very young programs. Dale, is it because it's flag-driven? Because I've been told by most, most of my sources and people – like over in Guatemala and people over in, you know, Colombia and a couple of people in Brazil, the fact that the sport there isn't tackle instead, it is flag. So the opportunity yep, yep. to move to tackle maybe excites them all. Yes. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, in Mexico, in one of the provinces that we do a lot of work with, um, they have 
2,300 youth players playing football. And out of those 2,300, one of the biggest popular things they have is youth girls flag football. So I definitely think that you're seeing a lot of that transition over into putting pads on and going to a tackle format Um, because flag still probably is number one when it comes to the the girls' programs in South America and Central America for sure. Yeah, a lot of of the people that I talk to equate that to soccer because it's less Mm -hmm. expensive. It's a football. Flag only requires, you know, nothing in terms of equipment per se. It requires just mobility and agility and, you know, the speed. It's more of a, the individual, you know, what they bring. When you go to tackle, it's an investment, and it's almost like that's something that they can't do yet. And so a lot of the leagues, I've been told, that's the reason they go 7-on-7 seven seven, or they start on 8-on-8 eight eight or 9-on-9 nine nine because the numbers aren't there. Well, we found out, too, that it's, it's also the numbers and – they don't have the ability when it comes to it's very easy to put flag on anywhere. As long as you have a, a sports complex or a soccer complex, mm-hmm. you can do yeah. it. When it comes to going full football and going 11 on 11, there's a lot more requirements when it comes to field use and, and where you can actually adequate to put that facility together. So 100%, that's a true fact. Um, that's why a lot of the organizations that reach out to us, they, they question us and say, well, do you play, you know, eight on eight or do you play seven on seven or, you know, are you fully 11 on 11? And we're actually transitioning to some of our programs that we're going to add an eight on eight program because we're getting a lot, not just on the women's side, but on the men's side, we're getting a lot of requests um, around the globe. And the reason for that, Dale, I think it's really just like over in Australia, they never went to 11. It's only one league. And it took them four years to go to 11s. And that was right after they, they participated in Vancouver for the IFAB World Championships because of the fact that they didn't have the numbers or the program so new and they got to compete with so many other sports in terms of their region. You know, netball out there as an example. And then they got to compete with soccer and they got to compete with AFL. So a lot of the Central American uh, countries don't have those barriers either. They don't have to compete with so many sports. They might have to compete with one or two sports, which is a kind of a plus in a way, but then you have the detriment with, like you said, the, you know, funding of equipment, the uh, funding for, you know, uh, ambulances and all the stuff that goes into detail for safety. And so there's a lot of cost issues in terms of, and there's a lot more planning versus just a flag tournament. Very true. And what we've tried to do now is, in each of our programs, in each of our events, uh, we've tried to find ways to give back and make an impact. And one of those ways is is for us to help donate uh, equipment and pads and uniforms and things that we can actually give back to some of these teams because uh, there is a, an investment, as you said earlier, to being able to play uh, tackle football. And a lot of them, you're right, the numbers are low. Um, they may have they may be playing tackle football and only have 16, 18 or 20 players and they're limited on equipment. So uh, that's one of the things we've looked to start making uh, a regular commitment that we do is to impact and, and give back through equipment and cleats and things that we can do. All right, Dale, a um, little bit of criticism because apparently you know uh, everybody gets 
misinformation in terms of media and uh, given social media, things just flare up without any, you know, due diligence. If that's what I usually call it. You know, we're all, we're all, uh, what do you call it? Know-it-alls. But in reality, we have no idea how things get to be at, at certain things. So when you, you know, you went there and stuff, you just gave us the lowdown about what, what truly happened. Everybody just assumed that, okay, you know, you made a, a bad move and you, you should have stayed home and all this stuff. But uh, the reality is a lot of the players did support the decision because it was the factual decision, which was you had no idea that they were just going to shut things down, correct? Yeah, when we, when we left um, March 10th and March 11th, nothing in the United States had actually transpired as, as it did. March the 12th, the NBA canceled their season, the NHL canceled their season. We're already mm-hmm. in Honduras, okay? Right. So at that point, we're already committed. We, there is no issues, no red flags put up about being in Honduras. I mean, literally at that time, there was only two cases in the whole entire country, okay? Right. And so we, we fast forward on Saturday afternoon, we find out that the president of Honduras has put a restriction on no more than 50 people to congregate in any one place. So mm-hmm. um, that kind of changed our outlook for Sunday. So instead of having an event and having a game on Sunday, they were going to conclude everything on Saturday. It still did not raise any red flags to us. So after the award ceremony, after everything was done on Saturday, um, we go back to the hotel. We have our, our team dinner, our team banquet. Um, then on Sunday, because we weren't going to have a, a, an event, a football event, um, our liaison and that was there with the Federation she encouraged us, let's do some sightseeing. We had a free day. So she took us right. to up into the mountains to a, a small town um, called the Valley of Angels. Um, we had a great day, uh, was able to have local food, uh, do some shopping. Everything was great. We come back Sunday evening. We're at the hotel. And about 7 p.m. on Sunday evening, the Honduras president come on the TV, made an announcement that he was closing all borders by land, air, and sea. Well, at that point, we still weren't 100% uh, throwing up red flags because we kept saying, well, that's not going to – I mean, we're leaving Monday morning. We're, it's not going to keep us from leaving. It's just probably closing the borders from keeping people coming in, not going out. Well, then our phones start going off that our flights are canceled. So we immediately start calling airlines and checking – and what at that time, the problem was, even if we said, go run and pack your bags, we're, we're going to the airport right now so we can fly and get out of here, because he was going to close the borders at 11.59 p.m. on Sunday. The problem was, there's no airplanes at the airport. Three major airlines that come to Honduras, American, Delta, and United, they do not sleep, their planes do not sleep in Honduras. They're shuttle flights. So they were not expected to be there until Monday morning to drop people off and then shuttle people back to the United States. So in any way we looked at it, we had no choice. We, we knew at that point we're there. Well, the way that the Honduras president did it, he locked down the city. He locked down all of Honduras. You could not leave. So we were kind of in lockdown to the hotel. Now, a lot of things transpired to where in everything we do, God has control. And, you know, it, it's, it's 
what he plans for us and and everything that you are faced in life in adversity, you got to look at how to make it a better. So as a staff, as an organization, I, I can't, I can't thank the Lord enough for the blessings that he's given us for the organization and staff and the personnel that he's put behind us because what it did is it took 55 people and put us together closer and tighter than we ever were because we knew we had to work and depend on each other. And there was only one way we were going to get through it, and that was together. And we did. Um, you know, the hotel worked with us. They knew at that point that we were going to kind of be stranded. I mean, now at that point, he'd only said that the lockdown would be for seven days. So, you know, we all went into a mode to try and work what we could do. And uh, between some of the contacts that uh, Coach Stephanie Belasco had with uh, working with the Pittsburgh Steelers and some of the contacts of getting out for tweeting, um, Coach Billy Avalos, uh, some of our players reaching out to their congressmen and congresswomen, and, you know, uh, my wife and I working diligently with the U.S. Embassy in Honduras, they were very good to us because we actually did one of our community events on Thursday with the embassy. So they, we had a personal relationship with the embassy. So we were in constant contact with the embassy. And, you know, uh, once we got onto the media and, and, and actually got to be a part of the Fox News and things started transpiring, we knew at that point we were going to get home. And uh, we were blessed to be able to utilize the United States Air Force Base that was an hour and a half away uh, to get on to a couple military flights to fly us home. But, Oscar, you know and I know you're always going to have criticism. There's always going to be positive and there's always going to be negative. And, I mean, as an organization, as a leader of the organization, I've got broad shoulders and, you know, I've got a great staff behind me that support what we do on and off the field, and many, many, many people, you could ask all 55, if there was anything you would change, would you change anything? And not one single person will change anything. Matter of fact, Candace Hunter said, yep, Coach, there is one thing. If I could change one thing, I'd bring more underwear. Wow. You know, because we, we, even, had to do, we, we even had to do laundry. I mean, nobody expected. We had pers- – Sure. You know, we had people that had uh, – we had one coach that had to have his insulin. You know, nobody expected to be there for an additional seven days. We didn't plan that. Right. Dale, you know, um, so. do you did you feel like at that point, do you have to have a plan B now going forward just in case something ever happens? I mean, this is a pandemic. It's not like something that happens every year, you know. It's not like flu season. Do you feel you, like you guys you at know, some point have to – strategize some sort of plan B at this point going forward just as a safety net, or do you feel like this is just a one-time deal that, you know, caught everybody off guard? Oscar, I think you could ask every business, every sports, every event, every organization. I think you could ask the president himself, should he have a plan B? The bottom line is no one in over a hundred years would ever planned or expected this to happen or you'd be locked down. I mean, we could literally go to, we could literally go to Germany next uh, next year and be in Germany for an event, and all of a sudden it break out into a civil war. Now we're locked in Germany. We don't know that. I mean, we could have a we could have somebody we could host a country to come to the United States and then break it out into a civil riot, and they're locked there. I mean, who would sure. ever plan for that? No one would ever plan for that. Right. So to say you have a plan B, yeah, we had a plan B. 
and we have a plan C, and we have a plan D, and that is our organization coming together. And that by far is our plan B. And we we actually accomplished that. I mean, here we are, uh, April the 7th, and the country of Honduras right now, as of today, has only a total of 305 cases and 22 deaths in the whole entire country. I think they're doing something right. We might have been better off staying in Honduras. The bottom line is we did what we had to to make sure we were all safe. We were always safe. We were always protected. We were never in harm. We never went hungry. We never went without a bed. We actually helped the hotel because they were limited staff. So we were actually collecting laundry. We were actually collecting trash. You know, I can't, I can't think of a better group of people that I would want to be in that situation with. So, so right. have a plan B. So Dale, as a leader, you always want so a plan how, B. How do we move? How do we move to Spain? Uh, is it tentative? Are we reviewing that still? Are we going to wait till thirty days out? Uh, are we on the same boat like every other sports organization? Well, kind of like everything else going on, Oscar. Right now, we have uh, our next planned event is, a matter of fact, coming up in mid June for our men, uh, the New England Bowl. Then in September, we have an event in Florida, in Orlando, uh, and then we have an event in December in Spain. As of right now, the events are still planned but are all based on what the pandemic's going to do. Um, we actually have a organization and advisory board meeting on uh, May 1st to discuss uh, where we're going to tr- kind of look for uh, these events coming up. Um, but I've been in constant contact with Spain. I've been in constant contact with each location because we actually have contracts already securing each spot. So, you know, it's we hope that it will transpire and we hope that everyone will have an opportunity to get back to a some type of normalcy. But there's no guarantees of that. We all know that. All right, Dale. Um... What is the plan for the women's side? You got one event for this year, this year, 2021. Is it the same two events, or are you still on a certain calendar for the women's side? Yeah, it's three three events uh, per calendar year. So okay. this year, this year we had Honduras. We'll have uh, Florida, Orlando, in. Um, we're actually playing Mexico in Orlando in September and then Spain in December. For 2021, September, we are... said September is AFE in uh, Orlando? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to make 19th. a note of it. That way, give you some buzz and, and let everybody know sure. about what's coming, what's coming on. Um, sure. Yeah, I'll so, so I'll basically, forward, you're committed to three, three events for, for a calendar year, which is really impressive. Correct. Correct. I'll forward you a uh, a calendar, um, an events calendar too, Oscar. Yeah, I got some of you, I got some of the your major players. You know, Sasha's one of my uh, athletes that we sponsor, and she keeps me up to date as well. So, but I, w- I would really appreciate that. That would be great. Um, sure. Dale, what is what is going to be in terms of the organization growth here? Uh, I know since you started the women's program here. It has it been a stable amount of numbers? I mean, are we talking 
you know, the same type of folks, or are we getting new people interested into your program? What's what's the growth in terms of the interest for the women's side? Uh, uh, Oscar, we've actually been blown away because it's unbelievable. Um, for the events that we have this year, we've been averaging anywhere from 250 to 400 athletes to register per event. So right now, I mean, I know a lo- Spain alone's probably got close to 400 players registered. So finding athletes is, is the easy part. Um, the Honduras event, I mean, like you were saying before, the Honduras event had 17 different states represented it. You know, so there's players coming from all over the United States. And one thing that I want to make sure that since I'm on your program and on the show is we have no affiliation with any league, any team, or any other program or organization. We are independent. All we're about is providing a platform for women to have the ability to be able to play on the field to showcase their talent and to be able to participate in the off-field community service work that we do as a nonprofit organization. That's the goal of our program. And we're excited to be able to give that to all the women out there because they all deserve. And you know as well as I do, the one thing that we've learned about the women's program versus the men's program, they're hungry. They want every opportunity they can get to be on the field. You know, whether it's playing with Team United or whether it's playing with their own all-star program or playing their own team, they want every chance. Men have Men have the easy part. They can play spring, summer, fall, winter, indoor, outdoor, uh, flag, arena. You know, women don't have that opportunity. So, you know, they have a one season, one spring season, and that's it. And so every opportunity you can provide for them to play, they're hungry. They want to play. Um, Dale, on the uh, on the southern side, are you – are you talking to the federations in du- directly with them, or are you talking to certain leagues like Lexfa and LaFi, for example, in Mexico, or FX Mexico, or, or is it just the fact that these players are just pulled from the various leagues? Uh, from what, what the opponents that we play against? Is that what you're referring to? Us? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Your opponents, in oh, terms yeah, of are they are they being just pulled from? The, the various leagues in those in those countries as well because I know you know Canada in, yeah, in itself has one league but Mexico has about or about four leagues in the scope of the correct. WFA and the WNFP in a lot of ways so it's yeah, way bigger and then Brazil probably has like two leagues but they're building Central America like I said is basically you know barely you know at that level of, of you know being noticed. But, you know, we, we'd have to gauge it between the U.S. and Mexico is probably the two in, in terms of North America. You're, you're right with what we actually work with the federations, but we work with direct organizations as well. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the, the impact that our men's program made with several of the leagues and uh, universities that we've actually played in Mexico that helped ground mm-hmm. us and put our feet um, and give a, our name has carried a lot of weight with who we who we are and what we do on and off the field that has helped transpire. And honestly, Oscar, a lot of the games they're reaching out to us. I mean, our our email and and my phone get blowed up by other programs and other organizations asking us, can we bring our team? Can we come play? And um, really, what's limited to me a little bit is the fact that 
we've kind of stuck to 11 on 11 and a lot of the organizations and programs that have reached out to us are either, you know, playing eight on eight or nine on nine. And, um, we weren't structured that it's way. Really, it doesn't mean we can't Dale, do it's that. Really, really traditional in Mexico to have arena ball, right? Nine, nine, nine or eight, yes. nine, eight. It, it's really yes, the building correct. blocks. 100%. It's more dominant than it is uh, 11 on 11 by far, both men yeah. and women. I think a lot uh, of the, the reason I think that is because the universities don't have the, you know, the money pool that an NCAA does. So they Correct. have to start at that lower level and then build up to the programs. I mean, the, the major universities play 11 on 11, but not the, you know, the lower class universities. So, um, Dale, where do we see yourself? Or what's your needs, in other words, that fans need to be made aware of? Is it sponsorship? Is it more players to come and join? I'm talking about the women's side at this point, not necessarily the yeah, men's, because right, the right, men's right, right, pretty right. established for a long time. But the women's side, is it is that what that is? I mean, what type of support you need so fans know exactly, you know, where they can kind of help out if they want to do that? Well, the good thing about the women's side is they they're – they network very well. So, you know, the experience that a lot of our women have had transpire into the recruitment of more players coming. So when I, when it comes to recruitment, I don't think there'll ever be an issue just because they, they do a very good job of making sure to reach out to other players to, that, to make sure to share with them, they, to take this opportunity to have this experience. Um, Right now, our biggest goal is more marketing, more marketing to drive more sponsors to, because everything we do, we put back into the program. So what the more I can do to offset the cost for the players and the more we can give back to the players, I mean, you know, we do everything we can to make it a first-class atmosphere. So that's probably the number one thing is just more markability. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great thing. Um, I know, you know, from one vet to another, I, I, I never doubted, like I told Sasha, never doubted that you were going to get out of there. Uh, it's just, you know, it's the way it is. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy that Southcom was able to facilitate that for you, the embassy doing what they got to do. Um, yeah. So it's really, you know, really exciting that everybody came through and you guys are back in the States. And so uh, we're looking forward to September and then we're looking forward to obviously December uh, and depending on what's going on with COVID, I hope you're staying okay. Uh, you know, doing your thing with zinc and vitamins like I am. Um, so it's just a matter of self responsibility. Like I tell people, you got to take care of your temple, which is your body. If you don't take care of your temple and your body, then, then it deteriorates it's just a natural effect of it. So the more we can do this, you know, to help it out, it's going to be better. But uh, Dale, that's the reason I wanted to bring you on, kind of give you a platform. I know we've had you on before. Always welcome to come on. Uh, you have, you're running a great program. I've heard a lot of uh, wonderful things from all the players that um, from every league that it's, it's just a great time and adventure to go out there, not just to play the game, but to give back and to have a great time in terms of a, a new scenery. So, some of them never get an opportunity to branch out of their own you know, community and their own country, uh, and your program really facilitates that. So shout, shout out to you and your wife. Thank you very much, Oscar. Thank you for what you do and, and the platform that you've provided to to be a voice. And a lot of times uh, 
that's what we need is just the, the and, and as you said, veteran to a veteran. I never had a doubt or never had a fear that we would not get our people home. And, and you know, um, I wasn't going to leave until I knew everyone was home. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I, I, as I told a lot of them, it was over 25 years since I put my feet on a C-130. And, and, and a lot of them, they can mark that off their bucket list, flying home on a C-130 is uh, exceptional sitting pretty in awesome, jump right? seats. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's pretty awesome. So, uh, you know, but it's, you know, I, I know it just takes time, you know, and, and uh, especially when you're in a foreign country, there's so much barriers and language and logistics that have to be worked out for you to, you know, maneuver. It's n- it's not as simple as when you're at home and, and in the States and doing things like that. But, uh, uh, Dale, thanks thanks again for coming on. I really you're, appreciate you making the time. Uh, all the fans, uh, can you let them know where they can dive into your program, uh, the website, the social pages, sure. so that way they, they can kind of understand uh, and kind of go through and see what if they're interested and are able to join you in some of the uh, new uh, destinations, which is going to be in Spain and in Orlando, Florida. Oscar, you're always welcome to join us as well. You know, that's one thing we encourage is everyone to be a part of it. Come on and Come on and be a part of an event. Have that life-changing moment and, and experience. And uh, if anybody needs more details, the best way is through our website, afeteamusa.com, um, or through our social media pages, both through Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram. They can find us at AFE Team USA. Um, please join our groups. Uh, look for our page. Um, but more importantly, uh, just spread the word. A lot of our veterans will continue to spread the word, including our staff and coaches. And once again, Oscar, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for the time to be able to, to be a voice and, and be heard. Appreciate it, Dale. Have a great time. Uh, enjoy your time off for now until you get up and running once again uh, and stay safe out there with the with all this COVID stuff. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much, Oscar, and you do the same. And we'll be Dale Glossinger of the AFE program, uh, AFE All Stars Women's and Men's. Uh, you can dive into his program as well. What an amazing uh, opportunity for you to be part of that program. Uh, it is a an amazing experience, from what I'm told by a lot of the players. You get to go overseas uh, to different countries or different cities, and you're able to experience that. On top of that, it's charity work where you can go help out other. Uh, countries, and then at the ultimately you get to play football and be uh, on a competition level versus other countries as well. So it's really, really go, really cool program. So check it out, afbteamusa.com. All right, we're going to bring in the Burmeister. We haven't had Burmy in here in a long time, so we're going to go to the Jono, No Joke Football Huddle, sponsored, as always, by Zazzle.com. Go to Zazzle, 15% off. Zazzle, thanks, is your code. Check it out. Get a, ho- get a hoodie, a T-shirt. Uh, there's cool stuff on there under 20 bucks. Check it out and go to the uh, page at zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Let's bring in the Burmeister, Michael Burmy in the house. And we're going to be talking WFA, WNFC, WFLA, and uh, this, this COVID-19 <laughs> that has put a damper on all our excitement for 2020. Uh, Michael, what's going on? Just trying to. Just trying to hang in there right now. It's staying here in my just here in my here in my apartment. And I mean, just trying to hang in there as long as this goes. Uh, Mike, uh, when you heard the news of postponement, what happened? 
What, what were you feeling there? Oh boy, no. I was, I was really bummed. I was, you bet, believe I was feeling really bummed there because, of course, I was looking forward to covering the season. No, I had already made the decision that I would take this year off from touring there just to focus on rebuilding this fan site, doing coverage again, and then get back to the, and then get to the most, get to the national championship game so I can get back in the full swing of my 2021 tour. Yeah, I was absolutely yeah. bummed to hear the news because well, there was so the many NBA news. announced, Michael, it was just kind of like a downer because you, kind of, you kind of felt like there was going to be a, a domino effect. Absolutely, Aiden. Yeah, be absolutely with that player there, and especially as someone from Southeast Wisconsin, it really hurt because the Bucks were in first place, and this is going to be their year. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. I would agree with them because they, you know, they've been playing lights out ball, and they were playing really good Eastern Conference favorites. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of things going really good for the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So. But once I heard this, that it was that the NBA was suspended their season, I just started worrying there. And then when I heard the NCAA tournament was canceled, then the final effect, I was really, I was really worried. And now I'm just waiting. Now I'm just waiting and seeing, ready to see. That's all. See what all is going to develop. Uh, Michael, did you miss the Undertaker uh, against AJ Styles, or were you part of the? Uh the online WrestleMania 36 fan fanatics. I was much that comes close to that match. What a match that was. That was pretty good. Really the really nice cinematic. I really like how, well, it started news trend where it started with Lucha underground. Then we saw Matt Hardy's Hardy's very snatched on the compound. Now they're doing the situation. They did doing these things. Not only with that, not only with the boneyard match, but also with also the next night where, John, John Cena versus Bray Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse match. What did you think of the change? It's kind of it was kind of weird. You had no fans. It looked like literally like a pay per view uh, uh, spectacle. Um, a lot of some people were disappointed because it wasn't like a traditional type mentality. Um, but what's your thoughts? My thoughts are that they did. At first, I was wondering why they didn't just postpone it because one of the cancellations I see, heard, where the folks I heard were bowing out of it, I think, oh, this, I thought, oh, this is going to suck. But then we got to look at the bigger picture. They have to go and see what they think. That they were trying to get us, make sure to provide us something to distract us, something to be part of the deal, to process and get our minds off this pandemic for just a moment. And what we saw there, what we saw there, they actually did a pretty good job with what they were given. Were you impressed? What What was the best match? I I, I liked the uh, the man match. I really like the women's division how it's expanded and and all that. But uh, I I really think they're doing a great job there. Uh, but the, I think the the bone the bone match was probably my favorite. Yeah, the bone match that was yeah it was mine too. That was really because the bone match. The bone match and the Firefly Funhouse matches were my favorite there. As of the favorite matches, which had, well, as my favorite match, which the best quality match, which took place before performing center, I would say that that best quality match had the wrong person winning it. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
But, you know, 36 is going to go down in history, right? COVID-19, everybody locked yeah. down. <laughs> they it's made the most bad. Interesting we got something memory. Saw something which was really entertaining, and I'm hoping that, and I'm hoping that this is all over. This is all over. I'm really hoping. They say that Tampa's supposed to get WrestleMania 38 in a couple of years. Uh, Bernie, people year. don't people don't know that you follow the uh, the 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 wrestling side as almost as strong as you follow the football side. Just a tidbit there for everybody. They don't, but that's that's a little. Still known facts. Why time you want to talk with me about Starlight and who I expect to, who I'm impressed, who I'm impressed with, and who I see is going to be a future stars. You know, just talk to me about it. I may surprise. I may introduce you to some people you've never heard about before. Well, the indie scene is huge, so I can tell you because I used to follow the sport a long time right before I followed you know football more exclusively here. But the indie scene's always been one of those you know, indie leagues always springing up, but. Uh, you know, I go back to, you know, Philadelphia with with the start of, you know, the, the, in Philadelphia with the ballroom and stuff. Even before WWE went to Raw, there was just a lot of, a lot of you know, different type of wrestling. But now it's sort of like, you know, a lot of the, you know, WWE is kind of sub-corporized now in, in terms of next and everything else. But it's still exciting. I guess storylines are still similar, just different type of wrestlers. Um I love the fact that they're incorporating foreign wrestlers as well, so it kind of makes it nice. Yeah, and as your talk said, glad to see that. I'm glad. I think that the best innovation we've seen in wrestling in the last ten years was the was the cinematic style matches there, which, as I said, started really started out with Lucha Underground, then with the right very, with the various matches which Matt Hardy wrestled at his compound for various promotions. Then all the way, as we saw with a couple of matches at WrestleMania last night, a couple of few nights ago. Yeah, no, if everybody's tuning in. Uh, we're still talking women's gridiron, but we just had to sway off because, you know, WrestleMania 36 is huge. And so we had to kind of dive into it as well. So, uh, it's the one, Mike, yeah, it's the only sport that was glad you had the time. I know I was watching it. There was nothing else for me to do, but no women's football during that, that time. So, you know, WrestleMania 36 is where it was at, and I've actually had to rewatch it more than once, so it was pretty awesome matches. So, uh, Mike, um, we were going to get St. Louis Slam. We won't know if we'll still get it, but we were going to get Slam Renegades in the Gateway City. That was one of the one of the games that I circled on my calendar when the uh, WFA uh, season, you know, released its schedule. Yep, that's going to be – yeah, that's a real bummer. That's a real bummer that we maybe end up missing that one because I actually had that penciled in as the Division One National Championship preview. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I this is huge. When I I was tickled pink. I was like, you're gonna WFA shout out to you know to the ownerships and the and the owners because they were all the schedules were very competitive in season. We didn't have to wait till the postseason to match up with the regional. You know, so you know, shout out to all the owners that wanted to make it happen this year um, you know unfortunately we got COVID-19 but overall the excitement was there for certain matches and that you know you can't get better than that Nas- you know division one national champion against division two national champion yeah absolutely absolutely a lot of folks were actually say- for all the for all those fast seasons that there's been a divisional format everybody in the slam were 
in their three division, these two national title seasons, everybody say everybody has been saying the same thing. Myself included. They belong in D one. They belong in D one, and I'm so happy. To, I was excited to see that this was the year they were going to be in in D one, proving what ready to prove themselves. They have what it takes to be on that high level. Michael, um, how impressive were you last year? Arlington Impact, uh, you know, unknown, came up from nowhere, really made an effort there, go to the West Coast against Cali War. Um, now, you know, this, this is in Division One now. They, they're a, a good program. They have some good talent. It's starting – they're under the radar is my point. I think they're going to they're gonna build on this. I think so. T- I think so too. Because when I saw them, the way they beat the way they beat the Kansas City Titans in what would turn out to be the Titans' very last game ever, that would be that was where I think that was what like, that was a big moment to me. Everybody showed that the impact. A lot of folks had wondered why the impact were even in D one, and they proved exactly why. They're a good program. Uh, we all we all anticipated Dallas Elite. Dallas Elite has literally dropped off. They're not the same as when you know Odessa owned the Dallas Elite, of course. But Arlington, I think, has stepped up to that elite level, com- being competitive now with you know the other teams. Um, it, it's it's going to be really uh, the anticipation for this year was to see what they were able to to do from the last year, and I think that that was one of the things that I was looking forward to too, especially in the Division One. Uh, scope of things. Um, Cali War, I mean, last year, uh, Michael, you you saw it, I saw it. Nevada, I mean, out of nowhere, almost very competitive with Cali War. Cali War's schedule wasn't very competitive because they had three and D2 matchups, but, um, you know, this uh, Storm team has much improved, almost like Orlando, and, and they're, uh, you know, they're not backing down from playing like a D1. Kept the Storm, they Storm and the Anarchy were both both going to be in D two this season. There. Maybe both these three teams getting promoted there. That was a big deal because we saw how the because we saw how the Anarchy has managed managed to really manage to beat all of the all managed to beat all of Florida's even while they were in D three they managed to beat all of Florida's D two teams: Tampa Inferno, the Miami Fury, and the Jacksonville Dixie Blues. What was the biggest surprise for you last year uh, in terms of, a, of you know, let's say, D1? What was your biggest surprise in D1? Was it, was it uh, uh, for me, it would be Arlington because the way they played all season and then they, they obviously got beat by a better squad. But ultimately, I think, that for me, that was a surprise team of, from Division One. Yeah, I think that – yeah, I think I have to say – yeah, I think I have to say the same thing about the Arlington – about how Arlington was act, was able to beat able to beat Kansas City there in that game there really showed they have what and they really put a fight they really put up a good fight against the Cali War in the conference title game. Yeah, I think it was very impressive for their coaching staff, uh, the players. They worked hard. I, I really think that you know they put themselves on the map. Uh, this year was was going to be really exciting. Um, Boston. What was your gut feeling coming in here? Do you think Boston was just going to continue to roll? Um, they look like they've upgraded. They got Mana back. Smith is back. Cahill's in plays. Uh, I mean, they have, you know, a good running game. They, I mean, they just – I think they're, they are the team to beat. 
Uh, I mean, if I had to put them on a global Absolutely. scale, they're probably the number one team in terms of you know, the sport. Absolutely, until somebody – absolutely, and they're going to be at that number one spot until somebody, until somebody, until somebody beats them. We don't know whether that team would end up – it's going to end up being their arch rivals, the Divas, or it's going to be the Pittsburgh Passion, who are about to be back, who are about going to be back in D1, or, or whether it's going to be – whether it's going to be the St. Louis Slam or whoever they play in the national title game. But the Renegades, they're number one. They're, they're to me, they're still, they're number one until somebody beats them. I think that was why we're all excited. We were anticipating that clash in, in the Gateway City because then it would, it would really yes. show to us whether, you know, we're competitive, who was going to be the, t- the top dog, uh, given the history the Slam has with winning a D1 championship initially in the inaugural season. This would have been a huge moment if they would pull up an yes. upset against Boston as an example. Yes, this would have been. This would have been an. Un, this would truly have been an unforgettable game. All right, um, D two. At this point, um, what was the anticipation for you in D two? What, what were you looking forward to this coming season in D two? Do you know? I was ready to see how the. I was ready to see how the Orlando, my Orlando Anarchy and the vast storm were going to do in D two. As well as Cincinnati Trojans, as well as Cincinnati Trojans. Also, I was hyped, ready to see what the, ready to see how the Detroit Dark Angels were going to build off last year's trip to the national title game, and how they were going to be, how they were going to be ready to bring the national, bring the title back to Motown and get the glory and getting the, and return to the glory days of the old demolition. Well, uh, Michael, you know the Angels, no joke. I mean, they got through Pittsburgh. They they really really wrote what a game they played it out but when it came down to Denver you know the slam is basically the equivalent of the Renegades and you gotta you gotta bring your A game you can't make mistakes and yeah. they made too many mistakes. Well, you see, as I said, the slam they're a team they're a D one level team as it was shown by their promotion this year. So now that nobody else is now that the slam are gone, the Dark Angels Dark Angels were my team to beat in D two so. I think this is going to be their year. All right. So we're hoping that the things will work out to where we have a season, at least a six week season. So the anticipation is there. Um, I don't know, yeah. you know, if the whole season is going to be canceled at this point, but uh, of course, you well, know, last I, heard it was just, last I heard was just, was, a, was still a few weeks ago and they had just said that it was postponed till May 2nd. It's likely going to be extended some. So we'll we'll figure it out right now, um, but yeah, Orlando. I, mean, I was excited. Uh, Nevada for sure excited. Uh, Sin City has literally come on the, to the map consistently there with Demio and company. Um, just just a three good programs in terms of and and they are deserving to go to D two. And I think that's everybody's. I think was shocked in a way that Orlando went to D two. Uh, Nevada going to D two. I wasn't as shocked because the way they played against Cali War. And I think that they they really want to be competitive, and all the coaching staff there, both all three coaching staffs, I think they want to just showcase what they're able to do. Yeah, absolutely. They gave the war their biggest challenge of the regular season, and they have what it takes to be on that next level. They're seeing how they all right. So seeing how big they dominant they were all these games. Yeah. Yes. Burmy, uh WNFC um, top five pretty much set in place. Then we got the middle of the pack and then we got brand new squads coming in from WFA, you know, uh, the prodigy 
and company. So it, WNFC was going to be also anticipation to see who would take down the top five, you know? Absolutely, because I was, in particular, I was abs- I was very much looking forward to see, La Mor- see how La Muerte de las Cruces would do on that big left. La- on that big stage there because they have this, they have everything. Cause I am ready. To, I was right. Cause you know how much I love that Pete La Muerte there now. And mm-hmm. I was, that was the big story for being WNFC, seeing how they were going to see how they're going to handle the step up in competition, the competition level. They were actually going to host the, the uh, nine cup, whatever it's called. Yeah. The nine cup title. Yeah. They were going to be at field yep, of dreams gonna, in on yep. July. So, um, that is a, Bernie, when I was there, it was in, a. Let me bring in the salty one who's going to be on the Nighthawks if, if the season ever gets started. But she's obviously uh, working off and training, and she was going to be on the Nighthawks. And so uh, her Nighthawks were really impressive last year. And obviously, they're looking to move up a notch and try to be more competitive in terms of the top five. Yes, they are. But I'm. Yes, they are. They're going to have some really great. They're gonna they're only gonna get they're only gonna get better as it goes on, especially because they have now they're gonna have a natural rival in the Kansas City Glory. That's the team that's yeah, and then they got that's Max, the team which Liz Sowers has started starting up. So there. you know what I mean? It doesn't hurt to add McKenzie. No, not a, not in the least. This is gonna be. I was ready to see this. I was ready to see this. I was I, I was ready to see this showdown there between. Liz, I was ready to see the showdown there. Seeing the seeing Mac and Liz Sowers on the opposite side on opposite sides of the field, that was going that was going to be what big that alone is a big something to see. Mackenzie, did you hear that? Looking forward to seeing you wow, on the field. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I didn't From know the that Burmy I was comparable. What's up, Burmy? How you doing, bud? It's good. It's good, Max. Helps us. Hope you're hanging in there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm trying. I'm running three to four miles every day and just doing some in-house lifting to keep myself in shape. So it's it's a little rough because I miss I miss the game and I miss not being able to hit anybody. But you know, with patience come results. So you know, we gotta just wait out this whole coronavirus pandemic, and you know, hopefully we can still have um, somewhat of a season. Um, I do appreciate you, however, comparing me, you know, in the same realm of excellence with Liz Sowers. That makes me feel good. <laughs> I mean, I'm yep, doing something her, right. See, seeing her. I don't know how she's going to feel, see. Max, but Burmy feels good. <laughs> <laughs> this was going to – I was ready to see – I was ready to see that now that with the with the basic star work there, that the rivalries, which were – see the rivalries which were starting up, especially not only – not only between the ones between the, not only between the Nighthawks and the Glory, but also between La Muerte and the Prowlers, as well as the three. Oh, team, yeah. As well as the three-team rivalry between the, as well as the rivalry between the, the Phantoms, the Prodigy, the Queens, and the Queens. The Queens rivalry have a little rivalry with the Phoenix going on too. Yeah, WNFC was. Was it's going to come up to? We were anticipating all that too, Burmy. You're right. I mean, regional clashes, just like we had uh, Seattle Majestics against the, the Rebellion, and then the Bobcats against the Rebellion. That was pretty good last year. Yeah, it was. 
just fix them, Bob. And the fact of the effect, just seeing how competitive things are going to, seeing how much how competitive it was always starting to get, and how much more competitive it's going to get, and that, especially in my guys. How impressed are you with the WNFC in terms of like, you know, the live stream last year and things like that? Were you were you impressed? I'm very impressed. I was I was very impressed by me. This is that they were about what they were making, making some real moves there. I honestly feel like this is. I honestly feel like they're a league that. I initially I have had my doubts, as those who follow all know, but as I saw, mm-hmm. but as I saw what they did and I saw what they were all about. All they were about. They actually proved they they proved me they proved me wrong and then some. And now I'm just I'm ready to see what's next from them. I, for example, I really love how they're doing the virtual how they're doing the virtual combines there in the drills there. Drills right now. Matt, go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, I actually that's actually where I was at um, prior to you know mm-hmm. hopping on here. I was um, being involved in the virtual camp that we have going on right now, um, and it's I mean it's it's good stuff. Like you know people people have been I've been getting all kinds of um, feedback from it as far as like you know people who aren't involved in women's sports like we or women's football rather um, like we are. So I've got some you know obviously haters and people out there that laugh about it. And I said, well, like, for instance, one guy had commented on, on the link that I posted yesterday, um, and he was like, oh, virtual's not going to be anything like the real having a real camp. I said, well, what do you expect us to do right now? We can't really even practice or hold any team functions or have any sports of any kind because of the virus right now. So I, I said, so you're either going to tune in and see what it's about or back off. Like, you know, it's just, it, I mean, and all the information that we get that, you're, we're getting as you know players fans um you know people who are still learning about the sport it's it's very very good information very solid information all kinds of all kinds of um experience across the board and it's just it's really i mean even from from my going being on my 10th season i've learned so much in the past five days like i'm not even gonna, like i'm not gonna lie i've learned so much in the past five, five days like uh for instance today was um um was more Lineman. or less uh, online, yeah, online stuff. So, and I and I naturally don't play online, but I still learn an entire lot. Like I've played online before, um, but my my main my main position is um, D line and fullback. Michael, what do you think of all these uh, creative things that WNFC is coming up with um, in terms of monetization? You got U two America. We were going to launch. Uh, you got the virtual camps, uh, you got the, you know, WNFC TV, uh, a lot of upgrades in terms of what we've seen in the sport over the last 10 years. So, um, you know, they've done their part. It's a group of four people that are really striving to get it right. Uh, I, I, you got to give them a shout out for, you know, year two is going to be so exciting as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I truly believe, I honestly, I am true. I am very much ready to see, what they got going. I'm ready to see what they got going on when it's up, when all this is over. This is going to be, this is going to be really be something special that's going to put the game on the map. Wow, there. Especially Nessa, now that we have. Which he was saying that maybe it will be postponed, depending on the information, of course, but or totally canceled. Which is in either case, 
I think we we got to do the right thing for health reasons. But uh, if we have to wait to 2021, that's not a big deal for me. I mean, that's just I'd rather get it right and everybody be safe and go back to, you know, playing what we what we want to see. I believe that when this is, and my biggest hope is that when this is all over and we could get back, get when that's a lot a lot of the drama which has been going on between the players, between teams, between the leagues. A lot of that, and my whole biggest hope is that when this is all over, yeah, all that drama really sto- really stops there, and everybody sees that how great, sees that how truly blessed how they are to have to be play just to be playing this, and just to have this opportunity. They're not going to take it for granted anymore, and that they'll to be more more people will just be on be on the same page, just helping out everyone else there. They carry the can. Yeah, and I'm waiting to see what the Mac is going to do in terms of the WNFC live TV. Going to get to see this girl in action. Going to get to see her probably in highlights <laughs> and replay. That's what we were waiting for, but we're going to have to wait a little longer, I think. You know, and, and it's okay to wait longer. Like I said, you know, it, it's giving me myself personally. It's giving me time to get into a little bit better shape than I was you know, going into preseason. So. I mean, it 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 sucks that we that you know everything got just started happening in the middle of our preseason when we we're you know teams mm-hmm. are just starting to gel you know get things going as far as you know camaraderie and you know finally getting things working as a well well oiled machine on all signs of all. Um, like I said, I'm kind of I'm salty that I that I haven't been able to hit anybody with shoulder pads in the helmet for a while, but I'm I'm kind of grateful at the same time because I've found a new source of motivation and it kind of just came out of nowhere. So I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not real. I'm not going to say I'm not going to rush it because I would really just rather have all this, this pandemic stuff be done and over with. Um, but it, like I said, it's giving me a chance to, you know, get myself into better shape that way uh, because we will have a season. I don't care what anybody say. Like it may not be a typical season, but we will have a season. It's going to be a thing. You will see the Mack truck and all her football sisters and family in action this season. That's going to be a thing. You heard it here first, Fermi. You heard it first. Like, Max coming. Absolutely. Lights and horn. Even if it's, as, like, I love this. I love that spirit there. Absolutely. It's going to be the fall. I, even if it has to be something like a fall season or, or it just ends up being just a few little, a few of those little jamborees like uh, what the conference yeah. what the conference yeah. tends to tend to be there. Yeah. That would be great. That like I said, really you know, it's good. not it's not going to be a typical season, but it'll happen. I'm re- I'm ab- I'm absolutely ready for it. As a matter of fact, even if you have to play, even ha- even if you have to play this behind closed doors, I'm going to be ready to be tuned. I'm going to be tuned in. Yeah, no different than WrestleMania 36. We're ready. Absolutely. This is going to be a part of the. This is going to be. We're going to be a part. We're going to be a part of people, the healing process for people to get their minds off this for a little while and just enjoy the skin. This is going to be how we get we people can. back in their mindset skin. Uh, Burmy, we've all had our questions about WFLA. You had your questions. You've been uh, sort of uh, chastised and for asking questions. Uh, I've yes. asked a couple of questions that I've, you know, the owner's been triggered. Uh, very, you know, hush hush. Uh, the only news that we had was there was supposed to be an exhibition season, but obviously COVID nineteen completely shut the doors on that. 
Um, we did have, have a was... huge announcement. It was May 5th in the L.A. Coliseum, uh, 2021, Los Angeles against Dallas. Um, I don't know if I want to be a doubter, but are you going to be able to pack 100,000 fans to watch at the How Coliseum? How many seats are they going to have to taper now? off there? How many seats are they going to have to taper off, I wonder? That's what I was wondering, too. That's my question, too. Are they tapering it off? Because there's no way you can fit that stadium. I mean, I mean, maybe you can. I don't know. Maybe they're going to prove us wrong. But, you know, in terms of excitement for the sport, I would see if they. I would see if they would be willing to talk to. I would just see if they would be willing to talk to the, to the um, dignity help to that soccer stadium where the Chargers had played at, and where the yeah, XFL's LA Wildcats played at. The dignity at. center, yep. That would be where I'd look at. Or better yet, try to see if LAFC would be willing to lease out the Bank of California stadiums. Right. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's uh, you know. The huge venues, uh, that's a huge venue to even – I know you want to go bold, yep. but yep. L.A. Coliseum, LA, that's just I like I saw a Bank of California huge. Stadium. It's right next to the L.A. Coliseum. So, right. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think they would go with MLS-style, you know, stadium to fill the stadium. I'm pretty sure that would be more capable and ability for it. Um, there's a couple teams that were announced, Atlanta Amazons, Denver Gold Rush, Phoenix Red Tails, uh, on top of the other teams that were announced previously, so there's they're still going forward with uh, a goal of 32 teams from their original announcement. So that's going to be 32 teams nationwide. Now the question is going to be uh, football structure, football rosters, which we have not gotten any details or any rosters of who's on the rosters. Uh, besides, I think the New York Stars and the LA Fames, Bay IWFA and uh, LFL players into their rosters, but the other teams have not officially, uh, you know, announced players for rostering yet. So it's still a process. I'm assuming they will get that done maybe by November because that's going to give them a small so. window. I believe what they're starting out with, with is, the announce, is the announcing of ownership of owners there because they're, as you see the Atlanta Amazons, they made a big splat. That was actually a big deal they they announced the owner of the Atlanta Amazons, Deborah Ant, Deborah Antney. She was manager. She was a Deborah Antney. She's her. She's the mother of Waka Flocka Flame, and she's a successful mm-hmm. manager in her own right. So that was a big move. Um, we have a couple so more moves in Denver and in Phoenix, but that what I'm saying is structure-wise, uh, they got a win a small window because. If they're going to go to May, if they're going to launch May fifth as an example, means training camps are going to start in December or January. So that means rosters have to be set probably in November. Absolutely, absolutely. We're seeing this. We're seeing big ownership. Hopefully, the ownership they land will be absolutely legit. Will be absolutely legit. I know a few of them are going to. I know at least one team owner is hoping to rebuild his. Is hoping to rebuild his investor reputation after a certain festival fiasco from last year. Right. So we already know who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. So we're good. Um, but I, that's where we're at with the WFLA. We don't have much other information except for announcing of new teams, 
We don't have real rosters except for like two teams that have rosters right now, uh, almost three teams. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to announce those rosters down the road. Uh, We do have a date of the champion or the date of the kickoff, May 5th, 2021, LA versus Dallas. That we do know from their announcement. Honestly, you know, because I'm honestly at this point, I'm kind of tempted to ask how much I'm tempted to just try to talk to some people that's form an invest to see about how it would be like to form an investment group to be able investment group to buy the investment group for the Milwaukee team because I was seeing even though I had had my suspicions there, I wanna be the I wanna at least try to help I would at least wanna try to help things out from the inside. Kind of be like what Dion Lee was trying to do with the WS with the with the L, with the L, LFL and later the W they attempted WFLA. Right. Well, I don't know what the announcements will be for the other teams, but currently we have a couple teams already announced uh, nationwide. So the plan was initially uh, an IPO launch that's been postponed, of course, because of COVID-19 from the owner. Um, And so at this point, we don't know what that's going to happen with that. But overall, they are still looking for rostering. Um, They're looking for coaches. And then they're trying to get um, as many new team owners on board. They're going, to be, they're going to be now some of the main team names what I have questions about is the, for example you, you, met, you talked about how the LA savings opponent was going to be the Dallas Diamonds I wonder if they got the, Dallas the, Diamonds the right to the, uh, the ownership group of that legendary team which by that name yeah I don't know what the legality would be for that but um I mean, would it be a logo change? The only way you can get the name for that, or a patent or a trademark change? I don't know what this, how that's going to go about, but they have changed some of their team names from the initial announcement at the uh, draft, and some of those maybe teams the have game, changed. Maybe or, the new owner decided to change the names. Right. Exactly. Uh, Michael. Um, well, no league, no anticipation. Uh, no, I mean, no, no schedule at this point. So. Um, what do we expect at Club Burmy, uh when the when everything goes up, or what are we doing at Club Burmy right now? Just kind of keeping everybody afloat with uh, yep, all keeping these, everybody uh, afloat with the news there, because I just heard. In fact, just before I got on this show, just so I shared the news from the Maritime that the Maritime Women's Football League over in Canada's athletic Atlantic provinces had canceled their 2020 season. Yeah. And we and then the WWCFL the week before also officially canceled 2020 season. So that makes sense. I mean, that's why I'm saying we're waiting yeah. for the U.S. league to figure so out what they're going to do. So that means both Canadian leagues have canceled their season. Waiting to see what the U.S. league is going to do. Yeah. All right. So Mike, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed WrestleMania 36. It was really really cool. Um, and I know you had I a good time. I absolutely did. Good time, I so. enjoyed WrestleMania 36 because six. Matter, as a matter of fact, big shout out. My fellow, big my, my favorite moments there was my fellow was when my fellow Wisconsinite Otis has moment there. Has big moments. That was a good, that was a good Dolph, event. Yeah, beat Dolph Ziggler. Finally got you. Finally, finally got Mandy Rose. I bet you were really happy. Yes, I was. 
All right, Michael, thanks for coming in. Uh, you guys can go to the page. Uh, you let them know where the page is out, Michael, so they can follow you guys on there and then keep up to date what's happening in the okay, women's game as well. Okay, look at the pages. All right, the name of the page is – the name of the page, we've actually, I've actually changed the name of the group. Just type in Hometown Women's Football. That's the name of the group, Hometown Women's Football. In your Facebook browser, you'll find the group. Send a request to join and keep cut until you can stay in touch with everything going on there. All right, Michael's a great resource, very uh, thorough and historic uh, information as well, and then uh, a very good source for us to also keep everybody up to date at the hub at facebook.com forward slash great iron beauty. So, Mike, thanks again. Uh, hope you have a good time out there. Stay safe. And uh, we're anticipating, obviously, uh, WFA or WNFC to kick off here in probably another maybe 60 days. So, I hope, I hope so. I will, we will stay tuned to that. Take care now. Have a great night, Mike. You too. Thank you. Bye. All right, Mackenzie, the Burmeister in the house, and so love me some Burmeister. Oh man, he's, that guy. He's obviously disappointed that we don't have a season, but just like everybody else, we're all disappointed, I guess, in a way. Yeah, you know, he is one passionate individual about the things he loves and he for sure does love him some women's football that I that I can honestly say I remember meeting him for the first time when I played uh, for the Madison Blades back in uh, 2017 season um, and he is definitely he is uh, he is how he sounds on you know on radio he is how he sounds full of excitement very you know hey how you doing he's you know he's very personable individual so, it's, you know, it's always good to hear from him. I actually was kind of glad that he was, you know, on the pod today because I didn't uh, – I hadn't heard from him or seen him, you know, around on Facebook for a while. So, I was starting to wonder what was going on. And then saw that he was in a lineup. So, I was like, all right, now, let's get Bryster in here. Yeah, me and him have something in common. We got football and wrestling in common. So, we were all back and forth this weekend with WrestleMania 36 and – he was pretty hyped about that as well. We were watching the Boneyard match and and all that cool stuff that happened during WrestleMania 36. So um, that happened out. Um, uh, Mac, uh, everybody getting on these challenges. They're uh, either everybody's bored or they just want to kind of test their skills. You know, the toilet paper challenge. Every team's doing it. The Don't Rush challenge. All the girls are doing it with changing out outfits and stuff like that. Uh, uh, the Stay at Home challenge. The uh, Ravens did from the IWFA. Uh... You know, and I I broke down and made a created a TikTok account. I told myself Seriously, I wouldn't Matt? do you it. Seriously, Matt, you created a TikTok? Oh yeah, take it this long? I did. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I I broke down. And I was like, man, I mean, it can't be that like uncool. Like I thought it was uncool, and it's actually kind of cool. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm not it's like way super heavy on using it. Way cooler than Snapchat. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll give you. I'll give you that. It's it's a cool. It's a little bit cooler platform than Snapchat. Definitely. In fact, I made my first two TikToks last night, and then um, as I was like, <laughs> as I was, you know, you know, I woke up this this afternoon and saw that a bunch of my friends started following me on TikTok, and I was really trying to avoid people following me on TikTok because I don't use it a lot. And don't well, lie, man. Not. Don't it's lie, man. You wanted the, all of them to feed right onto it. <laughs> no, what I want them to do is follow me on Twitter. To be honest, 
Oh my god! No, nobody can follow you on Twitter. Twitter's just a drama queen type of uh, platform. That's all I can tell you. Twitter's it's, a big green platform. Any, it's not any more than Facebook is. Hey, if you want to go politics, you go to Twitter. Politics is like full blown mm-hmm. on Twitter. <laughs> it doesn't That's do true. you anything. TikTok is fun. I have a my wife's little cousin, and she's on TikTok, and she's like, "Hey, we just need to do TikTok because it's fun." And, like, after a while, you get into it, and it's like, it is fun. It's like, you want to be silly? Let's do it. Let's get it on. You know, my, my first TikTok yesterday, um, I actually did a 15-second clip to a Justin Bieber song. Yeah. Uh, Justin Bieber's my guy, so I was like, I was like, I was trying to figure out how, like, everybody was getting, like, you know, the sound, like, the music sounds on there. So I was like, I actually have to, like, make a TikTok video you know, to figure this out. And so I was like, well, I guess better, better way, never, there's never a bad way to start with JB. So, I mean, it had, when I last checked, it had like 200 and something views and a couple likes on it. I mean, I've only made like two, but I mean, it's okay. Only, I'm not probably not going to The only it. sad part it's is that you got a, you got a bunch of eight to nine year olds, you know, just overblown on their following. And that just depresses me. It's like, uh, what's wrong with these kids? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, I gotta beat that eight year old with some something creative. Yeah, and I'm like I'm like, how am I gonna do this? <laughs> I got I got an eight year old trying to jump over toilet paper rolls. I'm like, What are you doing? I gotta I gotta jump over tail, toilet paper rolls. I said, You're not a dog. What the hell are you doing? Right, what are, are you like, doing? I got like I got like 300 views just doing it. And I'm like, oh, my God. There's the satisfaction, the views. <laughs> oh <laughs> an eight-year-old. Social media. So you're going to be, com- crazy you're gonna be competing with uh, elementary school kids on TikTok. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and they're probably going to blow me out of the water, and I'm super okay with that. <laughs> no, you just got to get more crafty. That's what's going to – you're not going to do ag- agility stuff. You might have to do some comical and other stuff, but no, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've, everybody's been on it. Um, I think everybody's been on it, and uh, the Don't Rush Challenge is pretty cool. I mean, they've done it. A couple of the teams have done it, and a couple of the players have done it. Uh, the Toilet Paper Challenge, was uh, a couple of the WNFC teams have been doing it. I don't know if the Nighthawks are going to do anything, but we'll see. But other than that, it's well, what I mean, it is. I'm actually going to talk to my team. Hey, I'm going to talk to my team probably tomorrow or Thursday and see because I kind of want to do um, the toilet paper one. And then there's another one. I can't remember what it's called. It, it might be one of the ones you, you said it all, stated already. Stay at home challenge um, or the don't rush challenge. The I don't know. Don't there's one going around. Where you change outfits. No, no, not that one. Although that would be cool. I don't think any of us really feel like changing outfits, though. But there's one I saw. It was, um, I can't remember. It's the Ravens, but I don't remember. Yeah, the Ravens did. They did a really cool one. Yeah, the one where they were passing the football around. That's kind of the one I wanted my team Mm -hmm. to do, either that one or the toilet paper challenge, toilet paper to each other. So what I want you to do, Mac, is I want you to get – one of your players, and you need to do the koala challenge. That's the that's the, the best what? one. Jenkins, the koala challenge. 
Landry and Gidry yeah. did the koala challenge, and then it was uh, Jenkins and Jenkins with the koala challenge. Oh boy. <laughs> you're, you're already Lord. looking at it. You're imagining it. You're like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not that crafty, and I don't know if I can move like that. I mean, I guess we'll see. No, I'm saying, did you see it? <laughs> oh, my God. You see Jenkins. You see Odessa trying to maneuver around Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth's like, my God, this this woman weighs a lot, too. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. It's intense. That, oh, that would be a good one. I wonder if my sister would do it with me. That would yeah. be interesting. <laughs> it takes a lot of, a lot of uh, muscle. It takes a lot of muscle and standstill. Uh, actually, Landry and Gidry did pretty good. I mean, they're they're pretty. It they flowed pretty well. Hmm. Guess I have more things to look at on TikTok than don't I? Yeah, you do. You got to make a fanfare on TikTok because your following's got to grow. So there you go. It's a koala challenge. Just get your lightest your lightest teammate, and then you just kind of maneuver after that because then it won't be so so bad. I don't know. That's probably, that's probably a tie between Spider Monkey and my sister. They're about the same size. My <laughs> sister might be a little bit lighter, to be honest. They're they're listening to you right faster. now. You know that. That's fine. I'm I'm super okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what is she saying? <laughs> they are small though. No, we know. All right, they're the little koala. Is that what you're saying? You're the big koala, and you got to get the little koala kind of maneuver around you. Oh, yeah, I'm not climbing on nobody. Um, no, y'all can... <laughs> You're going to kill oh, no. somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I don't got time for that. Mm-mm. No. no. They can climb all over me. I'm not, no. See, because the second yeah. I try to hop on to somebody smaller than me, they're going to fall to the ground, and I'm going to feel... I'm not going to feel bad because they agreed to this challenge, but... Yeah. No, just, we don't, no. don't want to do that. That would be a bad TikTok. <laughs> or it might be popular. You never know. You might get a lot of views. Big koala tries to climb on small koala. <laughs> Only eight and nine-year-olds will be viewing that and getting a blast out of it. That's true. All right. Um, Mackenzie, let's talk NFL draft before we get out of here. I uh, want to thank Aburmi for coming in and obviously Dale Glossinger for coming in from AFE uh, All-Stars. Um, so what are we looking forward to here? First round, um, there's a lot of mock drafts going on. I was reading on Ble- uh, Bleacher. I was reading on CBS Sports. And so a lot of them got, you know, Joe Burrow going to the Bengals. Uh, they got Chase Young going to Ohio State. Uh, I mean, going to Ohio State, going to the Washington Redskins. Um, you got uh, Kuda, if I say it right, or Kuda, the cornerback. From Ohio State, it's going to go to the Lions. You got Tristan Wolf from Iowa. I'll say some tag yeah. Going to the Giants. You got oh, Tua uh, apparently going to Miami. Uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon going to the Chargers. Uh, so let's start with the top five here. Uh, Tua to Miami. What is? What do you? What's your thoughts there? I'm not an Alabama fan by any means. I am, however, Tua fan, and I've been a, been a Tua fan since he was on the Elite Eleven. So I'm a Tua fan. I think I think Odessa is going to be happy if he goes there. 
She's a Miami fan. I'm pretty sure she'll take. I two know up. she is. She is. She she is a Dolphin fan. That is that's a fact. Um, and I think she will be happy if he ends up there. Um, I do personally know, however, he is a Dallas Cowboys fan. So I would not be surprised if he gets drafted there. You know, you know, makes his initial his, his initial draft season, rookie season, with the Dolphins, and it wouldn't surprise me if he somehow ended his way up into Arlington with Dallas. And, and I'm kind of hoping that's going to be a thing, to be honest. And I love me some Dak, I do, but I think Tua would add something different to our offense. I mean, Tua would also add something different to the the Dolphins' offense, seeing as how they would actually have an offense with a quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's a good talent. Um, the quarterback, they're, they've been missing for a couple of years. We'll see if, what the system does there for him. But if he does get drafted, this is a mock preview, basically. It's not a definite, but it's a projection that he would go to Miami at this point based on projections. Um, your guy, Tristan Wolfs, out of your little realm of the world here, offensive tackle, Giants much needed help in that realm of things, so would improve them. Uh, so I, I guess you're, you know, he's, he's, he's a good, good uh, number four. Everybody's got him up high. So good contributor. So hopefully he would, he would pin out in the Giants. Well, and, and you know, Tristan Riffs is, um, he was NFL ready last year, honestly. Um, but I'm glad that he, um, I'm glad that he, that he stayed this season because we, we really needed him. Um, I mean, our Iowa's offensive line was mostly seniors. Now that I think about it, in fact, um, yeah, him, Rich, the Paulson twins, um, yeah, the, um, yeah, all five of the starters um, were all seniors, including Nate Stanley, um, who was also a senior. He's in this uh, this draft as well. Um, I'm irritated that they have him going to the Giants because obviously the Giants are a cowboy rival. However, I'm a, I'm a diehard Hawkeye first before I'm a, an NFL fan. Therefore, I will support Tristan wherever he lands, whether it be the Giants, whether it be somewhere else. I mean, and obviously I want every Hawkeye to go to Dallas, obviously. Um, but I really think he would fit in, at, in in Dallas because we have a, our offensive line is stacked with nothing but power lifters. And Tristan Riffs is one of the – now has he broke he broke Brandon Sheriff's um I think it was a back squat record. I think he had well, let's see, I watched something last week and I think he did what was it? Four fifty for five reps on back squat. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. something in some incredible number and I was just like Man, like I thought my own 225 was good, but I need to get a better forward. Um, no, and and just that, and he's a hard worker. Like Tristan, people don't realize like when you, when you get players out of the Midwest system of football as far as college, it don't matter if it's Big Ten, Big Twelve, um, you know, or or even in NAI school for that matter. Like you're you're gonna get corn fed hard workers. Um, and that's that's just what it is. I mean, look at look at all the linemen and all the position players that have lasted, um, you know, the past couple past five five drafts or so since Brandon Sheriff. Um, whether it's O line, D line, like and there's and there's they're solid too. It's not it's not like oh we're gonna get drafted here, you know, 
get playing time because one of the veterans got hurt or something. It's because, you know, they they usually end up being starters or being those, you know, the second string, you know, reliable players. So, and I think that's definitely what any team is going to get with, with Rick coming, coming to them from um, Iowa. Power if he goes to the Giants, Mac, um, to your point, you know, very, very good guy and could help out immediate as an impact player. And the Giants really need that. Um, they're transitioning too, obviously making the changes from, you know, Eli Manning and going to a different quarterback. So uh, he could help out on the offensive tackle side of things. Um, what do you say of Jeff Okutua? Okud, I'm sorry, Okuda. I can't say that right. Jeff Okuda uh, from Ohio State, cornerback. He's going to the Lions. Lions uh, really need some help there at uh, the corners. So that's their big need. And that's probably why they're eyeing this kid. See, and and Jeff Acuna and Chase Young being in the same draft makes this interesting because if a team needs a corner more than they need a you know more than they need an edge rusher, which is exactly what Chase Young is, even though he plays outside linebacker, he is essentially an edge rusher. Um, things could get interesting. I don't think he. I mean, obviously, I don't think Acuna's going. I don't think he's going to hop. Chase Young by any means, because that's that's not Chase Young is I believe he's projected number number two, yeah number two number two or three. Um, like I said, however, this with having with having two high draft picks coming out of the same school, um, which happen which kind of happens a lot, um, you know, as far as defense. So usually it's a defensive player, you know, an offensive player. This year, at least with Ohio State, it happens to be due, to be um, you know two defensive players um, coming out of, you know coming into the draft as you know on those higher on the higher side of the on the draft stock. So um, it, things could get interesting. Um, I do remember when we played. I think this would have been so 2017 when Iowa beat the pants off of Ohio State, 55 to 24. Um, I think was his would have been his freshman year. Freshman or sophomore year, um, I do remember he's a, he's a real good lockdown corner. Um, he plays very good man to man and has very good foot speed and, and field vision. Um, he just has a hard time, you know, not getting beat. And that's just that's I mean that's 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 with any position. It doesn't it doesn't even have to be corner. But um, I mean, and I think that with him going you know going in the draft so high, he's going to be able to. Um, you know, their whatever team grabs him is going to be able to mold to remold him into essentially um, one of the best corners in in the league. So, and I don't doubt that at all. And I'm not an Ohio State fan either, seeing as how they're Big Ten rivals with Iowa as well. But this this draft is interesting, Oscar. It really is. There's all kinds of talent. Yeah, it is. That's why it's hard when the when you're doing the mock drafts. It's pretty hard to kind of like position every player where they're at. But to your point. Ohio State has two uh, young, Chase Young. It's going to go number two, uh, projected to go to Washington at this point. And then let's talk about Burrow. Uh, I don't know, you know, if that's the place to go, but if he succeeds there in, in Cincinnati, uh, this could, you know, elevate the Bengals uh, franchise to, you know, some sort of respectability in the AFC, AFC North. Um, so, but, you know, they got to get the pieces together. Well, I don't know if they have that. You know, and, and I mean, I guess that's not really unfortunate because Joe Burrow is the Heisman winner. He's a Natty winner. I mean, he's got all these all these other awards and accolades. 
following him into the draft with that number one spot. However, I don't I don't think I don't think being the number one position, um, you know, I don't. It, it's a good thing and a bad thing, like especially if you you know you're projected number one overall, and you're projected to go to you know a team that essentially needs that position, um, you know, based off of their record, um, you know, coaching staff, you know, all that, all those things that tie into you know what the team needs as far as you know, a dra- a draft pick. Um, it could be it could be detrimental either way, whether good or bad. You know, you get drafted as a number one pick, you know, and then that you know, that's cool. You get the number one you're the number one pick, you're the first person off the board. Um, and you know, and that team gets, you know, what they were needing. And then there's always the flip side to where, you know, it may not work out whether it's coaching staff, you know, offensive playbook. And I don't I don't have any doubt in my mind that Joe Burrow is I think Joe Burrow is Frankly, you're going to go there, learn the playbook, and start. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. What do you think of Herbert? Do um, you think Herbert's going to be in that conversation maybe? Uh, I don't want to say top five because I think he's going to drop somewhere, but uh, based on evaluating um, I, him. I think you have – yeah, I think you have to consider what he's done at Oregon mm-hmm. in terms of – you know, his the past, especially last season, this past season and this, and this season before. So I guess his, his junior and senior season or sophomore junior season, I think, I'm pretty sure he's a senior though. But, um, you know, you have to consider what he's done the past, you know, consecutive seasons back to back, you know, especially being in the, in the Pac-12 over there with Oregon. Um, and the Ducks have always been like they're, I mean, they, they're known for breeding good quarterbacks. I mean, Marcus Mariota came mm-hmm. from there. I mean, let you know, up until this season, Marcus Mariota was shredding people apart, like quite literally shredding people apart. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, you know, he came out of Oregon, and and nobody expected him to do what he what he had done up until this season. So that's why I'm not really sleeping on Justin Herbert. And, and respectfully, you can't because of what he's done. He's been. I mean, he was in the Heisman talks. He was in. Um. Um. You know, they and Heisman talks. You know, you know all kinds of awards. Like he's got the same potential accolades, and that you know, just like Joe Burrow or just like anybody else that would be considered in the top five. Um, so I think if I if I had to pick a top five, I think Justin Herbert will be that fifth person at least for me. Um, yeah. And then obviously the other four, you know, um, to a Joe Burrow, um, Tristan, and Chase Young. I agree. So we're going to talk receivers next week, and then we'll kind of break it down until we get to the 23rd. It's going to be a virtual uh, draft. Uh, it's going to be a first for everybody. So I like everything that's in COVID-19 now, first for everything. Uh, but we're going to be talking, breaking down receivers next week, top receivers. Then we'll go into detail, trying to get some folks in here that obviously are looking at the draft and more closely for us to give us some more insights and things. So we'll see if I can get them on. I've been trying to reach out to them and see if they're able to come on with us and kind of give us more insights and things like that. But overall, uh, the quarterbacks and the top five in terms in general, pretty much the same. It's just the way it's where you shuffle them. So it's worked out that way where um, I want to invite everybody to the, to the hub at facebook.com forward slash ground beers. We're almost close to 8,000. So I really, really appreciate everybody sharing our post and doing their part, especially right now with the COVID stuff. 
Go check out all the fun stuff that the, the teams and the players are doing on all the social media platforms from TikTok to Instagram to Facebook and Twitter. Uh, they're doing a lot of, uh, you know, weird stuff, if you want to call it weird, but it's actually uh, the hashtag Don't Rush Challenge, the toilet paper, the TP Challenge. Uh, they're doing the Stay at Home Challenge. So go to the hub, check it out. On top of that, we have some weekly games that you can rewatch, uh, WFA games that you can rewatch, WNFC on the weekends now. Uh, from where we were told before. So Saturdays, if you're bored, you can actually revisit all some of those top games from both leagues. So we're going to have that as well. And then, you know, just our network working pretty hard to try to get interesting so far down with the COVID-19 situation. But uh, overall, I want to thank Dale Glossinger for coming on, Michael Burmey for showing up here. Uh, so Mac, uh, we'll be here next week and we'll see what other interesting things these, uh, players and everybody else is going to come up with and then continue this week with the virtual camp by WNFC, which has been very, very informative. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. I look forward to every week we have the podcast, Oscar. You know this. I love me some podcasts, and I love the people that support the podcast. So once again, my weekly shout-out to our fans and you know, our loved ones that are following the podcast on social media um, whether it be your normal social medias or on the podcast social medias as far as, you know, Google Play, Apple Pods, wherever you can get pods, iHeart, Spotify, you know, we're, we're here. So, again, thank you all for supporting what we do. All right. So, Mac, uh, looking forward to next week. And then, obviously, the virtual camps are going on pretty informative. So, if you haven't checked it out, and the WFA also had um, some Marion Jones uh, type of training. So you check it out at Women's Football Alliance, or you can go to WFAProFootball.com, or you can go right to the hub and check it out. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our podcast, as uh, Mac is mentioning here, on any of your platforms. And uh, if you go to Facebook, Great Iron Beauty, you go to Instagram, Great Iron Beauties, you can also check out our No Joke Football brand pages as well. Just No Joke Football right after that. So, for Mackenzie Brooks, the Abstin Louise Beans, Holly Custis, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez here saying we'll catch you here for 316 on the Blitz. Have a great weekend, everybody.